Contact Center Focus, the Reality Training Podcast. Hello and welcome to Contact Center Focus. And uh, this is presented by Bob Morell and my friend and colleague, Jeremy Blake. Hello. Thanks for tuning in. We've done a few of these and today we're going to get into a topic and have a brief discussion about the wonderful world of compliance and how that runs alongside stroke interferes with sales, selling, getting the job done. That's our topic. So to give you a little bit of context here, a few weeks ago I had a big meeting with a contact centre client and we were looking at content of how we are going to train their people uh, in a particular project. And one area of the content was about how the person handled a price objection. So the customer might say, hmm, that's a bit expensive. And Jeremy and I have got four very good, effective ways of handling that price objection. Because a price objection is an emotional reaction to a price that's been suggested. And what we need to do as professionals and contact centers is to be able to reassure and handle that price objection so that we can get across the true value of what it is we're selling. Now, when I was talking about this subject, there was a compliance person uh, on the call and they said, mm, I'm slightly concerned about the language here about you know repeating the objection and that sort of thing. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. So the one thing which it is essential to do, which is to empathize and to repeat the objection, is the one thing the compliance person was picking up on. Now, let's give you an example of how this would work. So Jeremy and I are on a call and I'm just about to sell Jeremy something and he's going to give me a straightforward price objection to that product. So here you go, Jeremy. It's £250. £250? Whew, that's more mm. than I hoped. Okay, I understand how you feel. So it's more than you hoped. Mm, yeah, I suppose it's, I don't know, 40-odd quid more than I hoped. Okay, so in that example, I am empathising. I understand how you feel. And I'm also repeating back the objection. Now, anyone listening to that, does that sound sarcastic, rude, as if I'm challenging him? No, I'm just repeating it back to him. Now, let's try another version of that. But here you go, Jeremy. So it's £250. £250? No, oh, gosh, no. That, that That is too high for me. Okay, I understand how you feel. So it's, it's just too high for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's too much. Okay. Now... What is wrong with that? I'm repeating back the objection. Now, the psychology of that is so important. A price objection is said, it is not heard. The customer says it. It's their knee-jerk reaction to a price. When you repeat it back to them, you are actually checking that you heard them correctly. Because what generally can happen, and does happen a lot, is that people will modify their objection, as Jeremy has demonstrated. So let's try another one where he goes for something even more outlandish. So there you go, Jeremy. There's a lovely product for you for £250. £250? God, yeah, that's outrageous. OK, I understand. So you, th you think it's outrageous? Oh, no, I, d I don't think it's outrageous exactly. But um, I suppose in my head, having not done this for a while, it'd be more like 100 quid less than that. OK, so he immediately modifies his objection. So he doesn't actually think it's outrageous. He thinks it's £100 more than he originally thought it was going to be. So now all I've got to do is prove the value of the difference. He was quite happy to pay 150. I've now got to prove the value of the additional 100. Now, this is important stuff. This is important sales-related stuff 
that anybody selling any product or service needs to get their head around because that's where the money is. Okay, it's really important. As far as I'm concerned, there is nothing that is uh, underhand about this. You are checking that the person really means the objection that they've said. You'll give them a chance to go even further if they want. They could say, they could say, no, I really think it's outrageous. And you might need to prove the value in a different way. Or you are allowing them to modify it to a realistic appraisal of the value of the thing that you are selling. That's what that is trying to do. So a compliance or a quality person has got to think, okay, what is the language that's being used here? So that's a very good question. But the second question, and it's so key, what is the tone? If the tone sounds sarcastic, rude, challenging, argumentative, arrogant, that's not going to help. And I can imagine that would not be compliant or would not tick a box in a quality list. However, if that tone is friendly, checking, if it's uh, making sure the customer is clear, making sure the customer is understood, if it's empathetic, then I think that should tick a massive box. Jeremy? Yeah, I think it's very important that when you are wanting to change the approach of salespeople, customer service people, yes, compliance is going to be involved, has to be. Let's really check up front because one of the other problems of compliance is we see people endlessly firefighting. Dip checking calls, taking people into rooms, telling them they still haven't got it right. So the training to get it right in the first place means that you've got various individuals who are almost default anti-compliant in their behaviours and their actions. So they're constantly being pulled up. And there are people who almost, uh, their job is they go to work to firefight and to be checking with compliance. Surely if you if you got the thing sorted up front, did the right level of training and practice, really listened to the tone, listened to the way they executed the language, really rehearsed it, practiced it, and that wonderful word role-played it all, you'd have less compliance problems. But what happens is things just get pushed into the system. People are running at behaviours. They've been given targets. And you've got all of these bottlenecks of compliance where you're trying to repair mistakes. And I have known people who they're meant to be running teams. They're meant to be, you know, a senior manager even. And what they spend the vast majority of their time is checking out compliance. It's one of the pillars of the foundations of the business that compliance is working. But actually, all that person is doing is firefighting and picking up mistakes. So the training is back to front. There's not been a clear articulation of the right tone, the right language, and it causes a problem. So I just want people to, to spend time up front rather than fighting later. Now, the next big thing on compliance and quality, and I really think it is a big challenge, we have this thing we talk about a lot. It's called disloyal bonding. So it's when the call centre advisor or agent sides with the customer against their own organization so it's things like oh it's the process you know you've been sent that letter i don't know why they send it out it's not it's not me i can sort this out for you so or oh yeah they do that oh yeah oh i don't i don't set the prices mate it's all that sort of stuff it's being your friend in order to get you to carry on with a bit of a discount it's a very uk centric thing and we know there are lots of top teams in contact centers who are top teams because this is all they do. They just ostensibly lie to their customers to create you know, a great level of performance. Now, I've never heard of a compliance or quality team 
absolutely getting involved and breaking up a team of that level because it would just destroy, you know, some of the uh, financial <laughs> gains that the company's yeah. making. And I'm sure that they would love to. I'm sure that compliance people say, well, look, these people are lying through their teeth to customers. And then I'm sure somebody at the top saying, well, look, 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 look at the profitability they're making. Let's just carry on. And I think that is where the two things butt up against each other. Well, isn't it interesting that if a brand has a set of behaviours and a right level of integrity, then if you're not being compliant to follow that, you're being anti-compliant and really it should be picked up. But nobody ever talks about this. And when we hang out with new clients and we're doing our diagnosis and we're listening to calls, we once did a project where we listened to a thousand conversations. Mm. We could pick up the behaviours that were wholly anti-compliant and some of them are addressed and some of them are not. And it also leaks into NPS. Because yeah. is it really compliant to now ask for a nine? And this is where, you know, the classic John Seddon line comes into my head. Don't upset your clients because we're being booked to improve sales. But at what cost? And do they really want us to deal with some of these issues where the behaviors and habits are so anti-compliant from an integrity standpoint that we might mess up their sales? So this whole compliance area is fascinating. And there are almost people turning a massive blind eye to that level of compliance. It's it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, I would love someone to try and book us and say, guys, could you come in and give my team every underhand, semi-legal mm. um, tip that you can in order to help them to sell more? Because there's so many things you could do, price conditioning and you know the way you offer discounts or going in low or anticipating the customer. Or even, even at the beginning, just saying, is it price? Is it price? You know, really dealing with just money. There's so many things we could do and give people that would make them, you know, wrong. Well, if you were measured only on, on the first 12 months of turnover, you could sell in the most underhand way and then your retention figures would be actually shocking, mm. but you've already ridden off into the sunset. Exactly. I, I have actually approached people saying there was a company that ran an ad campaign and it was so dangerous for retention numbers. I thought, wow, who's got behind that? And I got in touch saying your retention numbers could be pretty scary. And it was, uh, no, no, don't don't worry. We're, we're fully, fully in control of this. And it was a new customer only, extraordinary way of going about things to win people over. Mm. Now, is that compliant? Mm. Gosh. So that's it, folks. Mm. It's always short. We don't want to keep these short and sweet. Do send an email to Anne at realitytraining.com with any topics yes. you'd like us to address on Contact Center Focus and give us some feedback. You can rate us and review us. Um, we'd love to know what you think about these. This is our new podcast and we're trying to reach more audiences to get more debate going. Yes, Bobby. And just to finish, uh, listeners to Contact Center Focus may also be interested in our other podcasts, Bob and Jeremy's Conflab which deal with wider, broader and uh, different business themes and that may well be of interest to you. So thanks for listening. Cheers for now.